Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Topaz was recorded on February 24th, 2022. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be speaking this evening. Thank you all for being here. So my name is Topaz, Grateful ACA for uh, over five years now. Um, tonight I'm going to share my experience, strength, and hope around hitting bottom and how I learned to love my deepest fears and how I really started to surrender in the last year, year and a half to my higher power. And, and that's what has healed me and my deepest wounds and brought me the most peace. So I'll start by giving you a little backstory about how I grew up. Um, I grew up in, in a small little mountain town of about a hundred people in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. And as a kid, I never knew where I was supposed to be. Uh, both my parents were full-time entrepreneurs, um, adventurers, and a little bit on the wild side of things. Um, I think they're called hippies <laughs> and, uh, as I grew up, I would walk from house to house to figure out they were separated whose house I was going to stay at for that night. Cause I, I never knew. So I'd leave school, walk to one of my parents' house. And if no one was home, then I'd walk to the next parent's house. And if no one was home, then I'd try to make myself some food and get myself situated for the evening. Um, put on TV or something to entertain myself. Sometimes I would go walking around the woods by myself where I'd find a friend that wanted to hang out. I really just, it was very open. There was no structure. There was no, like no set dinner time. No, uh, you know, like you get this many minutes on TV and you've got to do homework. It was just kind of me figuring out life for myself. So not knowing really what was going on. Um, as I got older, as a teenager, that turned into being really frustrated and angry. Um, I spent a lot of time being confused and I'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure. Um, but my biggest fear was, uh, not understanding what people were trying to say to me or feeling like I did something wrong or bad because I didn't have any sort of guidance. I just, <clears throat> excuse me, I just kind of raised myself and I became very, uh, so my, my inner child was not able to get her needs met. And then my inner teenager was like, you know, forget that I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody and, and we're going to do it my way. And so that, that inner teenager was very angry and confused. And the biggest fear was the words we need to talk. And I remember hearing that when my mom said to me, I was 15, she said, we need to talk. 
I'm, I'm moving out of state. You're going to go live with your dad full time. And that just sucked the air out of the room. It was like full on abandonment. She, I, she wasn't really there. She was always gone on work trips, but knowing that I had a safe place with her at least felt good. Whereas with my dad, he married a woman that went to my mom's school and cheated on my mom with her. And so that was just a whole, a whole nother can of worms that I was dealing with very angry about it. And, uh, so I ended up moving in with my dad and my stepmom and it was verbally abusive. Actually, the other day I was just talking in my, um, 12 step study group, how I had recalled this memory that I used to not feel safe in my dad's house, like so unsafe that I would put a knife as a lock because my door didn't have a lock. And I used that as a lock to kind of block anyone from trying to open the door. I'd wedge it in the, uh, in the molding around the door just to kind of keep a block there. And my dad was so upset. He broke down the door one day and he just took the doors off the hinges. And at that point I thought this is not safe. Cause I've been physically abused here. I've been verbally abused and it's time to go. So I ended up when I was six, 15 and a half, almost 16, I decided it was safer to live in a hotel. So I lived in a hotel for a year and a half. Um, I, I, I made great. I learned how to make friends quickly. I learned how to be really street smart. Who to, who was a good person to hang out with, who was not. Um, and I ended up actually just buckling down, but I did a lot of drugs in that hotel. I hung out with some really bad people. I hung out with some okay people and then I hung out with some really great people. But, um, yeah, I, I think I spent my formative years doing a lot of cocaine, staying up all night, but I actually, I graduated in three years instead of four because I decided that I was just going to do homework and buckle down at night. <laughs> it was, uh, it was very, very interesting. So I I graduated high school and, um, before I'll back up. So before I had actually graduated, I started this codependency with, with guys, I was looking for that father figure that would be able to take care of me and provide, um, you know, car, a ride, food, um, just anything that I would, I would assume that my dad would do for me, uh, you know, show up and support me for extracurricular activities and events and things like that. So that's, that's when the men in my life, um, it became an unhealthy relationship where I tried my darndest to get them to fill that role instead of me being able to parent myself. So that's a little bit about my backstory. Um, I will go ahead and explain my rock bottom 
so I've hit rock bottom actually a couple times in my life. The most recent was by far the worst. Uh, as I share my story, I'm sure you'll be able to identify with a few of the laundry list traits. <laughs> um, I wasn't truly surrendered. And it wasn't until I actually really surrendered to my higher power that I found this sanity, this, this sane peace in my life. And so here's my story of my rock bottom, my most recent rock bottom. And I actually wrote it out as a story for you all. So bear with me. I'm just going to read it. Okay. So it was New Year's Eve, 2016. And I received a sobering call from my aunt that my grandfather had just passed away. I felt completely numb as I just spent the last two years caring for him. And I wasn't there when he actually left this earth. The overwhelmingly nagging feeling of wanting to cry came upon me as the day went on. I laid in bed thinking about all the fond memories we had together. My grandfather was a happy part of my childhood. And despite all my feelings, I knew I had, oh, it was a, he was a very happy part of my childhood. Despite all of my feelings, I knew I had plans that night with a friend to go to dinner and listen to live music up in my hometown um, of a of hundred people. <laughs> so we headed up the mountain, despite how crappy I felt. And we got up there, snow, snow covered mountains. So choking back my tears on my, I put on, I throw my favorite pair of jeans, a long sleeve, black shirt, black boots, and put my hair up in a bun. Just as you see me tonight, <laughs> as I looked in the mirror, I thought this is the best I can do. But then again, I had that thought a lot. And to be honest, I didn't really care much about much. I thought I was happy by not caring because it was easier than the alternative of caring and getting my feelings hurt. This was the isolation of my life. I was deeply burdened by the possibility of being abandoned. So I tucked my feelings inside and I drove up the icy mountain road with my friend and put on a cheerful face. The whole town was there and greeted me with smiles, laughs, and excitement. Of course, I went along with it, beaming back, laughing, and showing delight. Even though I felt hollow inside, I distracted myself with dancing and superficial conversations. The night came to an end and it was officially 2017. I said my farewells as I was about to leave. A man walked up to me. He introduced himself. And of course, I knew who he was. We went to elementary school together. We just hadn't seen each other for 25 years. The next day, we began dating. Long story short, 17 dates in a row. And 41 days later, we got married. I was all in. Ha. <laughs> or so I thought. <sighs> but I was still clinging on to the I don't care attitude. It was my way of controlling my actual feelings in the moment. Two years later, alarms were going alarm bells were going off. It was 4:45 a.m. and I was tearing myself out of bed to get ready for my work day. It all felt so surreal. I just landed my big job out of a private equity firm where my husband and I worked. Um, all right, sorry. 
I was so excited. I was following my true calling. I was the luckiest woman on the planet. And I somehow found my person and acquired my dream job. And we were starting our life together. I had matured into the woman that I always wanted to be. I was so proud in that moment. I finally got the life I'd always wanted. I was married to the man of my dreams. We moved into a house together and I was working my quote unquote big girl job. (laughs) I still felt like something was off though. There was a little tug inside of me that said that I wasn't truly content. I knew something felt off, but who cares? I was living on cloud nine and why would I have anything to complain about? Why would I listen to this inner voice that told me that I don't know how to be happy right now? Days turned into months, months turned into years, and the arguments started to compile. My inner conflict was starting to surface. We decided to prolong our marriage and decided that we would move to a new town and get a fresh start. I left my job. We relocated out out to another state. There was, it was nice at first, but still nothing changed. I was still unhappy. I felt a sense that my life was not complete and I wanted more. I kept nagging my husband to give me more attention, more of his time. And frankly, he was not interested. Our disagreements became the foundation of our conversations. What I didn't know is that I was disagreeing with myself. Months later, we pushed ourselves one more time to go on vacation and enjoy each other's company and try to reconnect. One morning on this vacation, I woke up. I was excited and I didn't know why. There's just something inside of me. Then suddenly it dawned on me. I could be pregnant. I rushed to the bathroom. I took a pregnancy test. Wow. I was astonished. I was positive. I ran to the bedroom, show my husband with all the love and anticipation that one would have. It was my dream come true. I was going to be a mom. I decided in that moment that I would stop arguing. I would stop being frightened. I would stop being stuck. This was the greatest gift that I could have ever received. And in that moment, it was all ripped away from me. My husband looked at me with absolute fear in his eyes and uttered three little words. This can't be. He then justified with how it's not the time to have a baby and we should try again in the future. He followed up with a call to the clinic and scheduled an appointment for me. My heart sank. I couldn't, I just, I felt myself leave my body. As I stood there, all I could think was what just happened. That was the beginning of the end of my former life. Two weeks later, I went for a walk. I came back. The car was packed up. He told me that he did not love me anymore. He didn't want to be married to me. And 20 minutes later, he was gone. No husband, no dog, no job, no house. And what felt like I had nothing left. I was forced into my worst nightmare. And I hit my bottom. I just have to sit with that for a minute. 
So this happened September of 2019, not that long ago. And when I had time to reflect back on this, that's when I really started doing the work with ACA. I became, so I've been in program for over five years. I became emotionally sober at about two years. And I became physically sober about two years ago. So it took me three years to, to really like dive into my journey and start doing the work for myself and not avoid with other sort of habits. But I was really forced into this, into this, into this bottom. It was my absolute nightmare. This is everything that I was afraid of. That deep abandonment wound was ripped wide open and I had to deal with it. And when I started doing the work, I realized that I had become my mother. I was seeking a man that was never there emotionally for me. I was willing to do anything not to be abandoned. And it happened anyways. I was so busy trying to control every little aspect of my life that I didn't see the warning signs. And the, and the fear that I experienced is just as the literature describes, writhing in pain on the floor. I had recreated my childhood abandonment. I was so afraid of being abandoned from another person that I never really showed up for myself to begin with. I was abandoning myself. So as I went deep into my recovery, I started attending as many ACA meetings as I possibly could. I got more than one sponsor because I didn't want to burden one person with everything that was going on in my head. And I called my ACA support group and I started telling my story. And this was my real story this time, because before in, in program, I would share only as much as I felt comfortable sharing or how I wanted to be perceived. I didn't share the, the deep, dark, yucky stuff that makes other people uncomfortable. So this is when I started really opening up and I felt like the more I shined light on those dark spots in my life, the shadows, the, the things that seem so scary, the less scary that they were. And I realized that I had more in common with people than I, than I knew. And talking gave me a voice that I thought was lost. The more I spoke about what happened, the more clarity I gained. And it all became so much more clear. So I'll give some tools um, that I ended up using a lot and I still use every day. So meditation has been my biggest challenge and my greatest reward. Uh, I would say that morning meditation can be a tough 
thing, especially when I have a lot of things going on or things that I want to take care of because I'm, I'm a perfectionist and I like to just get things done. So, um, meditation really slows me down. I might have to exercise first before I can even meditate, but it, it allows me, even if it's just 10 minutes of, of listening to a guided meditation on YouTube, listening to that peace uh, and quiet inside of me really grounds me to my breath. So that way I can go through the day and I'm less um, reactive. It's like you see a big rock rock dropped in the pond and it's a big ripple. And so that's how my life used to be. I would be on the boat, like, Whoa, all back and forth. And now I see it coming and I can brace instead of just being caught off guard. Um, I love using non-dominant handwriting. If I get to a place where I am feeling really stuck on a question and I don't know the answer, I know that my inner child and my higher power know the answer and I just need to get out of my own way. (laughs) So I'll write the question with my dominant hand and then I'll answer with my non-dominant hand. And it's absolutely amazing the the stuff that pours out of me. Um, nothing that I would logically come up with, but it's like easy, simple solutions that I'm like, oh, right. That was just right in front of me. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of work releasing trapped emotions, um, exercise, ah, I love this exercise. Um, I learned this from one of my healers, integrating the two pieces. So there's two pieces of me that want the same thing, but they're fighting against each other. Um, I'll identify them. I'll give them a name. I'll give them a color. I'll give them a shape and I'll put them, put one on each hand and I'll visualize, I will bring my arms all the way out to my sides open, like, like Eagle spread arms. And when I'm ready to bring them together to figure out how they're going to work together, my hands will slowly start to move together. And when they do, I bring them into my heart center and, um, integrate them. And so they end up working really well together. It's a beautiful piece. Uh, I have daily affirmations. I'm a huge sticky note person, but writing down my daily affirmations, um, I put them in my calendar. Um, I know there's certain trigger times in my day, like where I'm really triggered more than others. And I just need to hear the words. And so I'll put in like, you are worth all the love and support that you require um, on like Thursday at seven o'clock at night, because that's a trigger time for me. (laughs) So daily affirmations, setting healthy boundaries has been really huge before ACA. I, I was not able to set a healthy boundary for anything. I was a yes, ma'am. Of course you got it. Just take the brunt of everything um, combative and all that. And now I get to choose. I realize I get to choose what kind of conversations I'm willing to hold space for. 
what kind of relationships I want in my life. And when I can say no, it actually feels really good. I think the first time I ever said no, um, that person looked at me and almost did like a double take, like Topaz never says no, what? And I just said, no, I'm not interested. And that's, and it felt so, it's almost like addicting afterwards. Cause you get this rush, this like, oh my God, I just stood up for myself and it feels really good um, because I'm, I'm confident and secure in myself and I know my limitations. So it's, it started with something small, but now it's really big things. Um, yeah, I think that's, those are, that, that was probably the first time that I connected with my higher self because I knew better. I knew better than to say yes. And because I said, no, it just felt so like I was being my own loving parent. Like a parent would say no for their child to eat 10 Snickers bars before bed. Like, no, that's not a good idea. We're not doing that. It was, it was like, that it was that empowering for myself. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I was learning, I'm learning how to have more effective conversations, um, listening more, listening without judgment or opinions. And that feels really powerful too. And all of this, all of these um, examples of everything that I've incorporated are all things that I've gotten out of being a part of ACA and um, recovering. And so I think in my experience, people have the answers that they need already inside of them. We all just have the habitual, you know, the habit of filtering our beliefs through other people's opinions and judgments rather than listening to our true self. And I think that conditioning of this kind can raise a lot of resentment and a lack of self-worth and unhealthy codependence, at least it did in my life. So, um, yeah, I started to really care for myself and caring for that child that was so scared and needed and was lost and needed the parent. So with that, I think I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me share my story. <laughs>